Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I'm the pastor of Lighthouse Church North County, and this is our podcast. Wherever you are and however you are listening, I want to say thank you for tuning in to what we are teaching at Lighthouse. Our desire is that these messages would help you to fulfill your God-given potential. If this message impacts you, share it with someone you know. We are on this journey together, becoming more like Jesus, one day and one step at a time. Now here's today's message. We hope it blesses you. Father, we thank you today for your Holy Spirit. We ask that you would speak to our hearts. I ask that every individual you brought here in person and online, that you would minister to them in the way that only you can. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said, amen. It's good to be here today. Um, A lot of times people buy the finished product, but the, the beauty of being a part of Lighthouse is that you're a part of the unfolding dream of God. So you're you're getting to see history in the making. You're getting to see uh, things happen that other people are going to look back and they're not going to remember you were in the tent sweating like you're in Alabama. But you're a part of the unfolding dream of God. And we want to honor your pastors for living out the dream of God and that, um, and, and you for participating and being a part of what God's doing uh, here in the North County, as well as, are we going all over the world? Or we're probably, we're going to the world. We're going all over the world. All over the world. Would you turn your attention to Matthew chapter 15? verse number 21. Then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Gentile woman who lived there came to him pleading, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, for my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. But Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. Then his disciples urged him to send her away, telling, telling her to go away. They said, she is bothering us with all her begging. Then Jesus said to the woman, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. But she came and worshiped him, pleading again, Lord, help me. Jesus responded, it isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. She replied, that's true, Lord, but even dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath their master's table. Dear woman, Jesus said to her, your faith is great. Your request is granted. And your daughter has been instantly healed. Today, I want to talk to you from the subject, overcoming the victim mentality. Overcoming the victim mentality. (laughs) Hold on. on. I know y'all that are clapping, you're like, yeah, talk to them. Talk to them. You can be seated today. The Bible says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Um, It is possible that you get saved and come to know Jesus and Jesus knows you and that you are on your way to heaven and you'll end up in heaven. But it's also possible that on your way to heaven, you live like hell because your life doesn't automatically change when you get saved. This is not a magic show where we go in Jesus name and then you like, oh, I'm done. I'm a transformer. (laughs) Wouldn't that be great if it worked that way? In Jesus' name. Sharuga. 
in Jesus' name. You fell down one time, and your whole life changed. It doesn't work that way because it's not magic. Jesus doesn't do magic. He does healing. He does process. And so uh, what happens then is uh, we have to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So you can be saved and come to Jesus and not be transformed. You can just be transferred. So you come to Jesus, and now you put Jesus Christian labels on your old thinking and call it Christian. And so you're still mean. You just do it all in the name of Jesus. Amen. You still cuss people out, but, you know, because you're not perfect or anything like that. You just put a Christian label on it, but there's no transformation because true transformation comes when our mentalities are changed and shifted and when true repentance changes the mind and we take on the mind of Christ, a new mentality. Um, uh, several years ago, there were two people who, uh, two men who tried to uh, break into my house and my cousin was there and we got into a physical altercation with these two men. How many of you are grateful for a pastor who could fight and then one who could pray in Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> amen. And so we were, we were fighting. We were fighting for like 20 minutes. You know, the, it, I don't know if you've ever fought for 20 minutes. It's, it's, not, it's not fun. Uh, and it's not the kind of fight like where in, in school when they would get into fights, you would fight because you knew the teacher would show up to break it up in case you were losing. And then... You had those friends that will pull you back and hold you back against the guys you know you couldn't win. So you're like, hold me back, hold me back. <laughs> this is not the case in real life when somebody comes into your home. It's very traumatizing uh, and it's very intense. And so the, the, the police get there and, and they asked me this question. They said, are you the victim? I was like, no. I'm Conor McGregor right now. I just done this thing. Did you just see that hip toss, best hip toss you've ever seen in your life? And... Um, they're like, that's not how this works. Either you're the suspect or you're the victim. Suspects, they have to run away from here. Victims get to stay. Suspects, they need lawyers, but victims get advocates. People who talk on their behalf. People who keep them safe. Suspects go to prison, but victims get shelter and protected from the suspect. Are you a suspect or are you a victim? And I realized in my moment of pride that I needed to admit that I was actually the victim if I wanted to have the help that they were going to provide for me. And I think half of the battle is admitting that we are the victims and that you've been through some things in this life and in this season that were beyond your control, that were beyond your abilities, and things happened not just for you, but things happened to you. And something inside of us wants to be uh, overcoming in our own strength and might. And we say, you know what? Uh, uh, I'm not going to let this get me down. I'm just going to keep smiling. I'm just going to keep walking forward. But before you do all that, can you just admit for a second, you went through some hell, it wasn't your fault, and some things happened to you that you didn't request to happen in your life. There's some intrusions and some things that have happened in your life that have ultimately shaped it. The issue wasn't so much that I experienced a rush of adrenaline or a trauma in some sense. The issue became later when my house became a fortress and cameras were all laced around the house and people would knock on the door and I would jump up ready to fight. 
And I would open the door, and there'd be a little girl there, and I'd be like, what you want, girl? What you want? <laughs> She's like, I just want to sell Girl Scout cookies. It's like, where's your friends at? You're trying to break in here. You ain't going to get in here. <laughs> the issue became that my last trauma still lived in my present experience. And I don't know if that's happened to you, where your last relationship still keeps showing up in your new relationship. You're a child twice. The first time when you're a child. The second time the child shows up, 25, 30, 35, the child shows up and you realize I have to go back to my childhood because I'm doing things that uh, in this life that are not appropriate right now but actually were birthed in the trauma of my childhood. And your traumas keep showing up in your present reality. The problem is not that we aren't all victims because at some level we are all victims in a broken and fallen world. But the, the issue comes when our mind starts being shaped by the traumas we've experienced. When our mentalities start to set in and we take on the victim mentality. The text and the scripture, uh, this woman teaches us a lot about overcoming the victim mentality. And I want to give you five things we learn about overcoming the victim mentality through the Canaanite woman. Number one, she didn't let her family's history determine her family's future. You can write it down if you want. Like, oh, I didn't bring a pen. I'm going to wait till you write it down. <laughs> she didn't let her family's history determine her family's future. If you knew who the Canaanites were, Matthew's kind of poking around here. He's the only gospel that actually mentions her being a Canaanite woman. Uh, but he's mentioning it, kind of poking the bear to, per se, because the Canaanites had so much bad history with the Jewish people and the children of Israel. Uh, because if you, if you look at Joshua, when he went to fight the Canaanites, he wanted to obliterate them off the face of the earth. They were such enemies and hostile enemies to God's people. And so she knew she was at a disadvantage when she was coming to Jesus and to the disciples because she was in from the wrong place. But because she had such a great need, she did not let her family's history determine her family's future. And I want to tell you today, you do not have to let where you come from be an excuse to where you're going. And your God does not consult your past to get you to your future. And no matter where you come from, God has a future that will not be informed by your past. And your family history, it may have been on the medical record cancer, but your family's history does not have to determine your family's future. You may have had alcoholic after alcoholic in your family, but your family's history does not have to determine your family's future. You may have had parents who were prideful and self-righteous, but your family's history does not have to determine your family's future. Can any good thing come from Nazareth? It's, it's amazing because God takes the most unlikely people from the most unlikely places and uses them for his glory just to shock everybody else and say, look, it's not by mind nor by power, but it's by my spirit. And so God uses you not because you're all that. He uses you because you're not all that. 
And you're not depending on your last name and you're not depending on your family's wealth, but you're depending on the grace of God. And when you start depending on the grace of God, you don't make excuses from where you come from because it will not inform where your family is going. Number two, she didn't let her opposition become greater than her mission. The Bible says that she comes to Jesus and she says, my daughter is severely demon-possessed. She knows that she's in the wrong place. She's from the wrong place. She's from the wrong family. And she knows she's not going into a fan base. She knows she's not going somewhere where she's going to be celebrated. She knows she's not walking, walking into a place where there's a red carpet laid out for her. But because out of the need of her family, she gets a mission to see her daughter free, healed, and delivered. And the mission becomes greater than the opposition. And she's so focused on the, the health of her daughter that she doesn't care what everyone else has to say. You know how you know if you're living with a victim mentality? You take account on what everybody else thinks or says about you. In fact, you determine how you live based off of what they might think. Does anyone here do that? No. I, I don't want to say this because they might think that. I don't want to pray like this because they might think that. Who cares what they think? When your mission is clear, then your opposition will not overcome your mission. Hey, should we keep it down? The neighbors might get mad. Well, we respect the neighbors, but also our mission is so clear that it overcomes every form of opposition. When you know the need is greater than the opposition, I just want to see my family get well, so I'm going to go to church. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray until I see the deliverance of my family. I'm going to pray until my kid quits vaping every week. Amen. Hallelujah. Don't act like your kid hasn't hit a little vape vape up in this house. Purple and everything. Great flavored. I want to see my child delivered, healed, and set free and walking as a son and daughter of God. I want to see my children free from depression. I want to see my children free from everything that the world is offering. And I don't care what people think about me. The only thing I think is I want to see my family free. Your mission has to become greater than your opposition. Number three, she didn't let her rejection determine her direction. I saw that on Instagram one time. Someone's like, rejection determines direction. That's dumb. <laughs> you mean everything that rejects you in life is informing your destiny and direction of where you should go? Not the Holy Spirit, not wise counsel, not prayer, not the Bible. Rejection determines they didn't see my calling. They didn't see how powerful I was. They didn't notice the gift on me. So rejection determines my direction. Rejection does not determine your direction. The Bible said Jesus answered her not a word. The living word had no word for her. This is the whole book of Psalms. If you read it, prayers of Psalm is not hearing God at times in your life. That God speaks in silence sometimes. And he doesn't inform you every step of the way. He just gives you enough to take the next step. So oftentimes we're saying, why aren't you talking to me, God? 
And we take God's silence as direction. And we take God's silence as rejection. And we, and we misinterpret God and his word because we can't hear him. And when we can't hear God, we start playing God. And we start looking to people to be the voice of God for our lives. And so we say, rejection determines our direction. This is what happens. When we take on this victim mentality, we start blaming everyone else for the condition we're in. For example, I don't know if anyone here has gotten into an argument with your spouse or your girlfriend or your boyfriend in the last couple weeks. But let me just ask you this question. The last eight fights you've had, was it their fault or your fault? Their fault. And sometimes, this is what the guys do. They're like, oh, it's my fault. The reason they say that, because they're tired of fighting with you, and they're just giving the flag. They're like, I surrender. It's my fault. Okay. But really, we believe it's their fault. If they would just get their act together, if they would just change. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to pay a tithe on this. At least 10% you can blame me on. But if you would get your act together, and if you would bring me some flowers, and if you would pay attention, and all the things I do, I work all day, and I watch the kids, and I do this, and back and forth, we're negotiating blame. But most of it belongs to the other person and rarely belongs to us. What happens if you're wrong? What happens if, if, if 90% of the time they're always wrong? If 90% of the time, then 100% of the time you're probably actually always wrong. <laughs> because you can't take responsibility. You have to live with the mantra of, if they would just, then I could just. If they would just be nicer, then I could be nicer. If they would just take out the trash, then I, if they would just do, if they would pick up their dirty socks off of the floor and put them in the hamper, then I, if they, <laughs> wait a minute, come on, Pastor, oh God. <laughs> if they would just, then I could just. That is not Christian language. Christian language is when I change, everything changes. When I allow God to speak to my brokenness, then everything changes. When you allow God to change you, everything changes. Your wife gets prettier. Your kids get better. Your bank account could go down, but you feel richer. When you change, everything changes. When you quit blaming everyone else for the condition of your life. This is John chapter 5. There's this paralyzed man, and uh, he's paralyzed by this pool of, of water, and he'd been in that condition for a long time, 38 years. And Jesus comes and asks this question, hey, do you want to get well? And his response is this. Every time I try to get in the water, nobody helps me. And every time I try to get in the water, someone gets in front of me. They don't consider me. They don't look at me. They don't know me. Everything about him getting well was determined on somebody else. And Jesus like, I'm not asking you what they're doing to you or for you or through you, but I'm asking, do you want to get made well? I'm not asking, do you want me to fix your wife? I'm not asking, do you want me to fix your kids? Do you want to get crucifixed? Do you want to fix the condition of your heart? 
that's the Bible teaches for an unbelieving spouse. Keep serving God so that your unbelieving spouse will become a believer. Become a testimony by saying, God, I'm not going to save them because I can't even save myself. But I'm going to keep loving you while you do the work that only you can do. She didn't let rejection give her direction. This is what happens in the garden where God's like, hey, Adam, what's your problem, man? And Adam says, it's the woman you gave me. Imagine getting to heaven or at least front of the gates because we don't know if you're going to make it yet. He's like, what's your problem, man? It's the wife you gave me. You know if you would have gave me sister so-and-so, it would have been better. It's the wife you gave me. It's the kids you made me have. It's the job you gave me. It's the boss you gave me. Quit blaming everybody else. This is about you and your relationship with God. And when you let God transform you and change you, everything around you changes. Number four, she didn't let herself stop believing the best, even when she heard and saw the worst. The Bible says, then she came and worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. But he answered her and said, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the little dogs. And she said, Yes, Lord, yet even the little dogs eat the crumbs which fall from the master's table. There's two types of, of dogs in those days. It's the wild dogs who have no house, who have no shelter, who have no food, who have to go uh, kill and eat for themselves. And then there's the little dogs or the pet dogs. And he says, I'm not going to give the bread to the little pet dogs. She's like, wow, I'm a pet dog. I'm not a wild dog. I'm a pet dog. I'm like the dog that gets pushed in the stroller. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm like the dog that gets a puppuccino at Starbucks. <laughs> I'm like the dog that the owner kisses on the mouth. You guys disgusting in North County. I'm not a wild dog with no home or with no master. I'm a pet dog. And she said, even the pet dogs get to eat the same meal, maybe in lesser portion, in crumbs. But I'm at the table. I have a master, and I can eat from the master's table, even if it's crumbs. I'm a pet dog. I'm not a wild dog with no master, with no shelter, who has to provide for myself. But he called me a pet dog. Some of us get so insult, insulted by Jesus that we wait because we don't see the goodness of what Jesus is doing through our bad situations. And you're like, you call me a dog? You, you, what, what did you, you insulted me? I'm going to walk away. I'm going to stay offended. I'm, I'm going to go do my own thing. No, but can you see the goodness of God in the broken pieces of your life? I'm a pet dog. This is what... Uh, in, in, in Kings, Elijah, the Bible says there was a Shunammite woman, and she looked at Elijah and said, I perceive that you are a man of God. I perceive that you are a man of God. And, and, and she received a miracle, and she had a, a child that she couldn't have. 
And then uh, a, a few verses later, a few chapters later, uh, there's these young people, and they see the same prophet. They see the same man of God, and they say, you're a fat, old, bald man. And then the bears came out and ate the little kids. Now listen up, kids. Don't make fun of me today, all right? That's the moral of the story. There could be a bear around here. Just joking. One lady said, I perceive you to be a man of God. She received a miracle. Some kids said, I perceive you to be a fat old bull man, and they received a bear. In your situation, in your marriage, what are you perceiving that you're receiving? If you perceive your spouse as a witch, then you're going to get the broom received to you. But if you perceive your children as little demons, then you're going to get the little horns and the little pitchfork. And the school's going to call you every week. Say, come pick up your kids. Pitchfork. But if you perceive your little vape-smoking kid, oh, that's an entrepreneur. He just doesn't know it yet. Your little party kid who, who wants to be the life of the party. Oh, that's an evangelist. He's a man of God. He, God is crafting his gift even amongst those evil people right now. How are you perceiving what you're going through will determine what you're receiving as you go through it. God, I don't know what's going on in my life right now, but I perceive your goodness in the midst of my brokenness. I perceive, God, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Betrayal, but I perceive, God, that all things work together for the good. Loss and sorrow, but I perceive the goodness of my Father that you wrap your arms around me and I receive the love of the Father. What are you perceiving in this season? that you're receiving. She perceived the best even in the worst situation. This is the kind of lady if, if she were to get a SDG&E bill, she'd be look at that, that bill as it, as it would raise and she'd say, oh, I see the power of God surging through my home. Power surging in my home. She would start singing and shouting, power in my home. We pick up the bill and be like, Jesus, the devil's fighting us. <laughs> turn off the lights. Turn off the lights. Just come home yelling at the kids, why is the air conditioner on? We don't live in Alabama. <laughs> Open the windows and let the, 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 the breeze come through. Turn on the fans. She saw things differently. She had a different perspective of the situation she was in. How are you perceiving? Like, I don't have a car right now. Well, then every day you have a workout program. And you get to walk and work out. People pay money for trainers. For motivation, but the lack of a car, that, that's your trainer. You're like, I'm going on a workout today. 
do you perceive what you're going through in this season? The Bible says, then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be to you as you desire. And her daughter was healed from that very hour. You know how you overcome mentalities? By the power of faith. The Bible says, even when you're faithless, he's faithful. Which means, if your situation demands faith, God does not demand faith from you that he won't supply to you first. And so as you meet oppositions in life and you meet things that happen to you in your life, God has already equipped you for faith to overcome every mentality. You've been rejected, but you got faith. You've been in a season where you haven't heard from God and there's silence. You feel insulted and offended with God because somebody died in your family and you're like, what's your problem, God? Trials came your way and you're like, what's your problem, God? I don't know if you ever read the Bible, but he said, take heart because in this life, many trials will come. He said, a lot of problems are going to happen. I, I, I find it so fascinating that Christians are always like, what are you doing, God? Why are you making me go through? He's like, I'm, I'm not doing this. I'm, I'm not causing this. I'm not the grim reaper. You just aren't seeing your father. You aren't seeing it for what it really is. But faith in the goodness of God through every situation of your life will cause you to overcome things that would cause you to walk away from God. But faith to make you worship when you felt like walking. Faith will make you lift your hands when your heart is crushed. Faith will make you sing songs in the night. Faith will faith will let you eat crumbs and be grateful when everybody else has a loaf of bread. Because this faith helps us to receive the mind of Christ. Let this mind, which is in Christ Jesus, be also in you. If you had the mind of Picasso, I hope you would paint. If you had the mind of Albert Einstein, I hope you would invent and create. If you had the mind of Thomas Edison, I hope you'd lower our sdg bill right away. But you a greater mind than the greatest minds of all history. Let this mind, which is in Christ Jesus, be also in you, which means I hope you live a life with the mind of freedom. I hope you live a life with a mind that is expansive in the freedom of God. And that you enjoy the life that Christ has given to you. Let this mind, which is also in Christ Jesus, be in you. Would you stand to your feet? I want you to close your eyes. I want you to close your eyes. When Jesus died on Golgotha, Golgotha means the, of the skull. Scholars believe that Adam was buried at Golgotha, the place of the skull. I want you to see this image. Adam's sinful skull being pierced with Jesus' cross. And the Bible says in Hebrews 9, 14, let the blood of Christ cleanse us from every dead thought, every dead work of the mind. Can you imagine the blood of Jesus washing 
through our sinful minds. Which means this, the blood of Jesus cleanses anxiety. The blood of Jesus cleanses, cleanses anxious thoughts of the future, of what's going to happen tomorrow. What's going to happen with my kids? What's going to happen? The Bible says don't worry about what's going to happen next year. You don't know if you'll be around tomorrow. He says the blood of Jesus washes and cleanses every dead work. Evil simply means in the Greek the toil of the mind. You say, I don't want to live an evil life. Well, don't let the devil's playground be in your mind. To his love, beloved, he gives sleep. Go to sleep. Go to sleep and trust in God. You're not a superhero to sleep three hours a day and brag about it. You're going to die of a stroke. By the time you're 40, you're, gonna, you're like, I'm grinding. No, you dying. Get some sleep. Let your mind rest in the goodness of God. Some of you, your mind is so heavy with depression. Depression is what reaches to the past to try to recover what was lost. But let this mind, which is in Christ Jesus, be also in you a mind free of depression, a mind free of anxiety, a mind free of worry, a mind free of fear. Let this mind, which is in Christ Jesus, be also in you. Today, if you're like, I I want the peace of God in my mind, I've been anxious, I've been depressed, I've been worried, I've had, a th- I've had thoughts that have racked my mind, and I just want to receive this mind today. Would you just raise your hand? I want to say a prayer with you real quick. Would you raise your hand? God bless you. God bless you all over. God bless you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we speak the mind of Christ. We speak the mind of Christ. Let this mind, which is in Christ Jesus, be in you. It is possible. Freedom is possible. Freedom is possible. Freedom is achieved on the cross. Freedom happened. And as easily as you believe it and put your faith in his finished work, let freedom happen in your mind and heart today. Let this mind, which is in Christ Jesus, be also in you. Let this mind, which is in Christ Jesus, be also in you. Would you put your hand on your head? Let this mind that is in Christ Jesus be also in you. Would you repeat that after me? Let this mind, which is in Christ Jesus, be also in you. Would you stretch your hands all over this place? We declare freedom over you today, over every anxious thought over every future worry. Jesus, you change everything. In the name of Jesus, we say freedom. Oh, Jesus, say. If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.